0: All right, you can open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. We are picking back up in our series through Matthew called Following the Fulfillment, and we are getting close to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we are kind of in the conclusion at this point. Jesus is, is moving things toward the end of this sermon. And this morning's passage in Matthew 7, 7 through 11 Well, what we're going to see this morning is one of Jesus' greatest promises to us. Jesus made many promises to us during his time on earth, and this morning is one of the greatest promises, if we would grasp it. At the same time, this promise is also one of the most distorted promises, one of the most misunderstood promises, one of the most abused promises, misapplied promises that he's given to us as well. Let's look at what it says. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11 says this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Like I said, this is one of Jesus' greatest promises that he gives us, but it's also very distorted in our day and age. And here's, here's the distorted version of what we just read. The the distorted teaching on this goes like this, God will give you whatever you ask him for. That's it, God will give you whatever you ask him for, and and that's what it says, right? It says, ask and it will be given to you. It says, everyone who asks, receives. God wants to give you good things. God will give you whatever you ask him for. Sometimes we know this as name it and claim it theology. Right? Name it and claim it, our prosperity theology. And there are many false teachers today who tell us that Jesus here is inviting us to ask God for whatever we may want and that God will give it to us so long as we have enough faith and often so long as we give enough money. But that's how it goes. Ask and it will be given. And if it's not given, then, then you need more faith. You need to do something else. But, but the promise here, ask and it will be given. Name it and claim it, right? Now this is a distortion of what Jesus actually teaches in these verses. The prosperity gospel is not the biblical gospel. Verses like these do not teach us that God is inviting us to name it and claim it. He's not a genie who invites us to just make our wish and it will be granted. But I know that most of you this morning already know that. If you're here and and you've heard that before, you need to know that that's wrong. That's not biblical, that's not what it's teaching. We'll see that this morning. But I know that most of you this morning already know that's wrong. And my burden this morning is is not just to harp on that being wrong, because I think we're all quick to say, that's not what it means. That's not what it means. But here's my burden, is, is I think that we might be okay with just stopping there, saying that's not what it means, and then what do we do? We just walk away from the promise. We don't actually do anything with the promise. We quickly easily point out the distortions and we say that's false teaching that's wrong that's not what it means but but do we actually hear the promise do we actually hear what Jesus is saying to us Why did Jesus give this to us? Why does he want us to hear this? He gave it for a reason. What we need to do this morning is we need to understand it and believe it and actually apply it to our lives. Jesus gave this wonderful, amazing promise to us so that we would believe it and use it and apply it ourselves. And I pray, church, that after this morning's sermon, you will be just invigorated and encouraged to apply this promise, to say, God, God says this to me, and that's amazing, and I want, to, I want to respond to that. I pray that we will do that this morning. Let's read the passage one more time, and then I want to restate that promise in, in a more faithful way. Matthew 7, 7 through 11, let's read it again. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Okay, so the distorted version of this promise was that God will give you whatever you ask of him, right? now, Now here's, let's just slightly change that to, to state the promise the way Jesus actually teaches it, which is, which is still amazing. Here's, here it is. God will give good things to everyone who asks. Just a little different. Instead of God will give you whatever you ask for him, God will give good things to everyone who asks. God will give good things to everyone who asks. That is the promise. And if you just step back and think about that, that that's an amazing statement God will give good things to everyone who asks that's what Jesus is teaching us this morning but we want to understand what that means right so that we can rightly apply it to our lives and so what we're going to do this morning is is just walk through these verses and and i want to give you four things that we need to understand about this amazing promise that Jesus gives to us God will give good things to everyone who asks four things that we need to understand about this promise First, we need to understand who the promise is for. Who the promise is for. Now, you know, companies, uh, businesses will do these promotions. A lot of times restaurants will do these promotions to try to get you to buy their stuff, right? And so July 11th, 7-Eleven, free Slurpee day, right? And, And they tell us, free Slurpees today for anyone, for everyone. Come get a free Slurpee, right? But if you look at promotions like these, usually you will see like a little asterisk or some fine print, and it says something like, exclusions apply, right? Or, or while supplies last, or only at participating locations. And of course, you go to 7-Eleven and you want that Slurpee to get there, and it's like, oh, we're not doing that, right? Or we're all out of Slurpee today, right? So exclusions apply. Well, I wanna ask this morning, and this promise, this amazing promise, are there exclusions? Are there exclusions? Is there fine print to this that we need to be aware of if we're gonna understand this promise? So, so, so Ask and it will be given. Is there fine print somewhere that says as long as you've been living a good life? Ask and it will be given as long as, as long as you are righteous, as long as you're righteous enough. Or seek and you will find, fine print, as long as you have enough faith. Or knock and it will be opened to you, fine print, as long as you've been consistent in reading your Bible, going to church, giving your offering. You know, we often think this way when we're praying, don't we? We, we, we think that, that the way we're living is going to affect God's hearing of our prayers. We think that if we've been doing a good job in our devotions, then, then we're more likely to get what we're asking for. And we think that if, if we've been sinning, then, then we're not going to be able to ask Him for things. We need to clean our lives up more. Are, are these exclusions here in this passage? Well, I want to point out this morning, church, that there's no fine print to this promise. There are no exclusions. There, there's, there's no asterisk here. This promise is for everyone. This promise is for everyone. Jesus says in verse 7 to the disciples ask and it will be given to you. And then in verse 8, he explains to the disciples how he can say that to them. He says ask and it will be given to you for everyone who asks receives. See what he's doing? He's saying, saying, you ask, and I'm telling you, it will be given to you, and here's how I know that's true, because everyone who asks receives. If you seek, you will find, because whoever seeks finds. If you knock, the door will be open. because anyone who knocks, the door will be open to them. Jesus is saying that we can be sure the promise is for us, because the promise is for everyone. There's no exclusions here. And church, this might seem obvious, but it's so significant, I don't want you to miss what this means this morning. It means that the promise is for you. It means that this promise this morning is for each one of us. If God gives good things to everyone who asks, then that means that God will give good things to you when you ask. God will give good things to you when you ask. And listen, no matter what sins you have committed, Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you. Like that's true this morning. No matter what sins you've committed recently in your life, no matter what, what sins you bring to the table this morning, God is saying, ask and it will be given to you. No matter what your spiritual life is like, maybe you feel very distant from God, maybe you've not been seeking God, Jesus says, seek and you will find. No matter how weak your faith is, Jesus says this morning, knock and it will be opened to you. This promise is not just for the ones who are doing well. It's not just for the ones who are living righteously. Not just for the ones who have great faith. This promise is for anyone and everyone. It's for you this morning. God will give good things to everyone who asks. And that means God will give good things to you when you ask. You can know that this morning. That is true. This promise is for you. And I pray that as you hear the rest of this message, you will understand and believe that this is for me. No matter where you've been, no matter how you've been living, no matter where you are right now, this promise is for you. We need to understand who the promise is for. Second, we need to understand what the promise requires. What does the promise require? So so again, the promise is, is simple. Ask and you will receive. Ask and you will receive. So what's required if we are to receive good things from the hand of God? Very simple, right? Nothing more than asking. If we are to receive good things from God, here's the requirement. Ask. Just ask. And yet, here's where we need to be very careful, right? Jesus is not meaning to tell us here that God, again, is our personal genie who will grant our every wish. He's not saying that. If we're going to receive, we need to see in these verses that there are two conditions for our asking. So Jesus calls us to ask. This promise is for anyone. If anyone asks, but there are two things we need to understand about our asking. First, we need to understand that we must ask for good things. We must ask for good things. Look again at verse 11. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Not just anything. Good things is what he's talking about, right? And so the question that we need to ask ourselves is this. How do we define good things? So, so, so Jesus is inviting us to, to pray for good things and he's saying that God will give good things to whoever else. So how do we define the good things that we should be praying for? One option is that we should define good things from our own perspective. Like we, we just should sit down and make a list of what, what do I think are some good things. And here are some things that would make my personal list, right? I think good, good things would be uh, good health, right? A bigger paycheck, a better living situation, um, Peace in the home, like, there's a lot, of, a lot of good things that we might list and say we're going to pray for this. God says ask for good things, here's some good things I'm going to ask him for. And Jesus says he's going to give them to me. But here's the thing, how do we know that what we think are good things for us are actually good things for us? Let me ask you this, have you ever prayed for something? You can look back at your life say, I prayed for this, God said no, and now looking back, I'm thankful he said no. Has anyone ever had that happen? You can look back and say, I'm glad God said no to that. No to that. Of course, we, we've all had that, right? What does that tell us? That tells us that we're probably not the best at gauging what's really good for us, right? We're probably not the, we're probably not the ones that need to decide what are good things. Our, our perspective is so small and so limited, just like children have a hard time understanding all that might be good for them and the things they ask for, so we're, we're the same way. Our, our perspective is so small on our lives, we don't know what is truly good for ourselves. And so the other option is to let God teach us what good things we should be asking him for. As Jesus calls us to pray for good things, we should, we should be letting God teach us what are those good things. God is so much wiser than we are. He knows what is actually good for us. And in his word, he's revealed what is good for us. He's revealed what is good for us. And so, so if, if we're going to pray for good things, then our prayers must be rooted in the Word. must be rooted in the Scriptures. This is why the, the, the Word of God and our prayers can never be separated. We, we shouldn't just come every morning and start, start, start batting off our requests to God, but we should be in the Word, looking in the Word, saying, God, what are the good things that you're calling me to ask you for? And the Word guides us into that, and then we pray for those good things. And Jesus says when we pray for those good things, God will give them to us. And so we're called here then to discern what is good from God's Word, and not just from our own wisdom. We must ask for good things. Second, we must ask earnestly. We must ask earnestly. Listen, prayer is not magic. Prayer is not mechanical. Prayer takes place in the context of an actual relationship with God. And so if we're to receive from God's hand, there there must be a genuineness and an earnestness to our asking. God doesn't call us just to go through the motions and for the right words to come out of our mouths. I mean, parents, you know that, right? You you want your kids to say please, you want your kids to say sorry, but, but you don't just want mechanical words coming out of their mouths because that's what you want to hear. You know when they mean, please, you know when they mean, I'm sorry, you know when they mean, and and God knows our hearts. There must be an earnestness and a genuineness to our asking. This is why Jesus doesn't just say ask, but he says, seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. What does seeking imply? Seeking implies that there's there's a treasure that we're looking for. There's something valuable that we are after, and we're going to seek after that thing until we find it. Knocking implies perseverance. We we want this door to open. We're going to keep knocking until it does. These are pictures of someone who desperately wants the things they're asking for. It it shows someone who has a true and deep desire, and they're not going to give up easily. We we want these good things. We we are seeking these good things. We We are persevering after these good things in our prayers. Sometimes God does not give us the good things that we ask for right away. Right? I mean, have you, ever, have you ever prayed for something that you know this is this is this is part of God's will? This is in His word. This is good. I'm asking for it, and 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 yet I'm waiting. Why does God do that? Why doesn't He just give us the good things right away? Well, it's not that He's holding out on us. No. What is God doing? He's He's testing our earnestness. He's increasing our desire. He's He's calling us to prove our longing for the thing that we are asking for by saying persevere in your asking. He's forming our character, he's forming our hearts, he's forming our desires after himself by not just giving us the thing right away. He's calling us to ask for good things but he's saying and keep on asking, keep on seeking like it's a treasure, keep on knocking till it opens to you show the earnestness of that desire. So we must ask for good things, and we must ask for them earnestly. We must ask for them perseveringly. James 4.2 says this, You do not have because you do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. And church, I just want to ask you a very simple question this morning. Do you ask? Do you ask? Are you someone who prays to God for good things? Do you take time to pray and ask him and seek him earnestly, continually knock on the door for the good things that he's revealed in his word. If you evaluate your life, do you see someone who asks our Father for good things? Jesus says, Everyone who asks receives. So I want to call you this morning to commit yourself to being someone who asks. Hear this promise: God gives good things. To everyone who asks, do you ask? Do you ask for the good things earnestly and continually? So this promise is for everyone. It's for, it's for everyone who comes and asks the Father for good things earnestly. But now we need to understand what the promise is based on. The promise is staggering. The promise is amazing. But how do we know? that the promise is true. How do we know the promise is good? How do we know that we can trust this? And here's what Jesus says, because it's based on who God is. We can know this promise is true because it's based on who God is. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you, for everyone who asks receives. Okay, how do I know that everyone who asks will receive? And here's what Jesus says, because of who God is you know that everyone who asks receives because of the kind of god you are asking he uses a comparison to help us grasp the point in verses 9 through 11 he says or which one of you if his son asks him for bread will give him a stone or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent so, so your, your kid comes to you and says, I'm hungry. I want some bread. He says, you're not going to give him a stone. You're not going to give him a rock. That's for fish. You're not going to give him a snake. Those are bad things that would be bad for your kids. You're a good father, so you, you know what to give him. But then he says, here's the kicker, verse 11. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. Jesus didn't say, you guys are such good parents. You know how to give good gifts to your kids. He says, no, you're evil. You guys are evil. And then Jesus is so straightforward about human nature here, isn't he? We're evil. We're not basically good. We are basically bad. We are, we are turned away from God. We are centered in on ourselves. We are unloving. We are uncaring. We are selfish, and yet we still give good things to our kids when they ask. We don't give snakes when our kids ask for fish. We don't give snake sticks when they ask for fish sticks, right? We give them fish. Here's Jesus' point. If you, who are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Jesus is pointing us to who God is. He's saying, Here's how we know that everyone who asks receives because God is a good Father who loves His children and delights to bless them. That's how we know. That this promise is true because of who he is. He's a good father who loves to bless his children. It's it's who God is that guarantees that if we ask for good things, he will give them to us. He's a generous father. He delights in his children. He loves to give good things to those who ask. Jesus points us to the very heart of who God is, and we know that God never changes. God stays the same. So if this promise was true, this promise is true, and it will always be true. God is a good, loving, generous Father. He loves His children. He delights to bless His children. Fathers, mothers, you know how much joy you get in giving your children good things. It brings us so much joy, and we're evil. How much more joy does the Father have in giving good things to his children? That's what the promise is based on, is who God is. Now, I do want to ask this question. Is there a contradiction in this passage? Because earlier I said that the promise is for everyone, right? It's for everyone, but here it seems like the promise is for those who are God's children. God loves to give his children good things. And so which is it? Is the promise for everyone or is it for the children of God? The answer is yes. That's good. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. It's, it's, it's for, is it for everyone or for the children of God? Yes. And here's why I say yes. God is a loving Father who delights to give good things to His children, but also this, God invites everyone into His family. God invites all people into His family. This promise is based on God's fatherly love, and anybody can be a child of God. This is the good news of the Bible. This is why Jesus came. Jesus came so that we can have this relationship with the Father. This is is the good news. We are all fallen image bearers. That's, That's who we are. We are made by God, creatures made in His image, but we're fallen from that. We've sinned. We're separated from God. We are made to know him and enjoy him, but instead we rebel against him we are separated from him and have fallen away from him. And because of our sin, each one of us deserves the punishment of sin and death and hell forever and ever. Each one of us deserves to be punished forever because of our sin. And yet the Bible says that God does not delight in the death of the wicked. God God does not delight in the death of the wicked. And so the Bible tells us that God, knowing we would sin, planned to send his Son into the world. Planned to send his only Son, his beloved Son, into the world to save us from the judgment we deserve. Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God. He took on humanity. He became fully human. Why? So that he could become our Savior. And here's what he did. Jesus lived a sinless life. Jesus lived a righteous life. Jesus lived a life of perfect obedience to God the Father. And then Jesus died the death of sinners. Why did Jesus die on a cross? Why did that happen? I mean, this is is the very center of the Bible. Why did that happen? Because Jesus was bearing the wrath of God for our sins. Jesus was bearing God's judgment in our place. He sacrificed himself in the place of sinners and received the judgment of God on the cross in our place. And we know that he did this because on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. If, if I went and died for you and said I'm going to go die for your sins and I stayed dead, you'd have no reason to believe that, that I actually did what I said. But Jesus rose from the dead. He conquered death. He, he was vindicated through his resurrection. He ascended into heaven. One day he's coming again to establish God's kingdom on the earth. And all who believe in him are forgiven of their sins. And what's more, not just forgiveness, not, not just God saying I forgive you of for your sins, but here's what God says in John 1.12 to all who receive him, Who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. To all who receive Jesus by believing in his name, God gives the right to become children of God. God invites all into his family as his children through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, every one of us has the, the invitation by God the Father to be adopted into his family on the basis of what his Son has done for us. Because his beloved Son came and died for our sins and rose again. If we trust in him, if we ask him for forgiveness, if we turn from our sins and turn to him, God gives us the right to become his children. Which means that this generous, loving Father is our Father. He's our Father and He loves His children. He delights to give good gifts to His children. This is all through Jesus Christ. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. So I want to ask two questions right now. First, do you have God as your Father? I want to ask you this morning do you know that God is your Father? No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Love to ourselves, we are sinners who are separated from God and deserve judgment and will be judged forever and ever on our own. But God has sent his Son into the world to die for our sins and rise again. And you can become his child today by receiving the gift of his Son. You can become his child this morning by receiving this gift, by repenting of your sins, by believing in who Jesus is and what he's done for you to save you. If you receive him, then, then God's word says that through Jesus you become a child of God. And so this morning, I want to call you, if you've never received Jesus Christ, do that today. Receive Jesus this morning. Call out to him for salvation from your sins. Call out to him for forgiveness. Thank him for dying on the cross for you and rising again. Entrust your life and your heart to him as his disciple And whoever receives him, who believes in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. Receive him today. Second question is this. Are you grasping this morning that God is your father? Are you grasping the truth that God is your father? Because here's the thing. Even once we become children of God, we so easily disbelieve that. Even once we're part of his family, we, we, we so quickly revert to our old mentality of living like, like we need to earn God's approval, we need to earn God's love, that, that we're, we're not true children, we're second-hand children, we're, we're orphaned mentality still. And this is why John says in 1 John, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and we really are. We really are. It's like John is saying to us, I know how hard it is to believe this, But we really are children of God, and we know that because He sent His Son to die for our sins and rise again. If you doubt the Father's love for you, if you doubt that God loves you and delights in you has made you His child, then you need to remember what He's done for you. You need to remember that He's given His Son for you. As as Paul says in Romans 8.32, If God gave His own Son for us, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? When we doubt the love of the Father, we need to remember that He's already given the greatest gift possible in His Son. When we're praying to God and we're asking for these good things, but we're doubting if He's going to do it, we need to remember He's, he's already given the most valuable thing He could have ever given in giving His Son for us. Why would He not give us this good thing if He's given us His Son? Are you grasping that God is your Father If you're struggling to believe that, look to Jesus, look to the cross, look to the gift of the Son for you that the Father has given. And believe that God is, God truly is, a good Father who loves you, who delights to give you good things. This is who He is. God is our Father in heaven, and because he is, we can know that he will give us good things when we ask for them. God will give good things to everyone who asks. We know that because of who he is, because he is our Father. Now, church, all of that is amazing, right? God will give good things to everyone who asks. God is a loving Father who delights to do that. God will give, give you good things when you come and you earnestly ask for the good things of His Word. That's all amazing, but this fourth thing we need to understand is, is so significant this morning. We need to understand why this promise is here. Why is this promise here? Why is Jesus saying this? This promise does not come to us in a vacuum. It comes at the end of a sermon, and it has to do with the sermon. Like just like I'm not going to wrap up my sermon today by talking about spiritual gifts. Yes. Why not? Because, because the sermon's not on spiritual gifts, right? Jesus is not just randomly talking about uh, prayer at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. It has to do with what he's been talking about. So why is the promise here? Why does Jesus say this? Let me remind us of what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. In chapter five verse twenty, Jesus told us. I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. In those verses at the beginning of the sermon, Jesus calls us to a true and inward righteousness. He calls his disciples to a righteousness that is not external, that is not based on human effort, but that is, that is an internal true righteousness, the spirit of the law, taking form in us as we love God and love our neighbor. This is the righteousness that Jesus calls us to. And here's what we've seen just very practically in the sermon. We, we've been in the sermon for a while, and I'm just going to summarize for you. Here's the specific things Jesus has called us to. He calls us out of anger into reconciliation. He calls us out of lust and into purity. He calls us out of unfaithfulness and to faithfulness. He calls us out of dishonesty to integrity. He calls us out of vengeance and bitterness to service and forgiveness. He calls us out of hatred to love. He calls us out of hypocrisy to worship. He calls us out of worldliness to godliness. He calls us out of worry to trust. He calls us out of judgmentalism to compassion. This is what we've seen in the Sermon on the Mount. All of, these, all of these specific ways that Jesus is calling us to a true and inward righteousness. And at this point in the sermon, Jesus says, Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. The Father loves to give good things to those who ask. Why is Jesus saying this here It's because Jesus is calling us to a righteousness that we could never attain on our own. And yet he's telling us that God will do it in us if we ask. We could never do this on our own. We could never live up to this standard on our own. And yet, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. This is what St. Augustine was talking about when he wrote, command what you will and give what you command. Command what you will and give what you command. Jesus makes many commands of us here. Jesus calls us to this this righteousness that to us is truly unattainable, but God gives what he commands. God gives his spirit. God gives transforming grace. God gives spiritual power so that we can live out the righteousness through him that we can never live on our own. But we must ask. We must ask. All of these good things will come to us when we ask. So church, we've been preaching through Matthew, preaching through the Sermon on the Mount for some time, and, and I hope that you're with me in saying that you, you would not want to move forward from the Sermon on the Mount and be unchanged. Like We, we don't want to just look the same moving forward from this section of Scripture. We want, we want to be people who have learned to reconcile who have learned to mortify our sin, who have learned to love and serve instead of be vengeful and bitter, who have, who have put off hypocrisy in worship and learned to, to worship more truly, who have, who have put away materialism and put away worry and learned to, to trust and pursue treasure in heaven. We, we, we want the Sermon on the Mount to come to fruition in us, right? Well, we must ask. We can't do it on our own. But Jesus says, ask and you will receive. Ask and you will receive. If we want our light to shine so that others could see our good works and give glory to our Father in heaven, that's what we want, right? We want to be a church that that is a shining light in a dark and dying world. That that people see what God is doing in us and they, they respond by giving glory to our Father in heaven. We're seeing people come and be said, we want to see that happen. We must ask. Seek and you will find. If we want to be a place where God's name is hallowed and God's kingdom comes and God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus says, "Knock, and the door will be open to you." We must ask, and I love all these things that we, we, we mentioned earlier in the sermon, whether it's whether it's anger or lust or dishonesty, or worldliness, whatever it is that you specifically struggle with, if you want to see growth in your life, if you want to see holiness in that area of your life, you must ask. The Father loves to give good things to those who ask. So ask, church. Let's devote ourselves to asking our Father, who loves us and loves to give us good things, for the good things of the Sermon on the Mount, Let's be a church who asks and keeps on asking, who seeks until we find, who knocks until the door is open, knowing that God's given his son for us and he will graciously give us all of these things. ask you personally now as we close, what good things do you need to begin asking the Father for today? Think about the Sermon on the Mount and how it confronts your life. What good things do you need to begin asking the Father for this morning? Do that today. As we prepare to sing one more song, let's apply this promise, church. God will give good things to everyone who asks.